Welcome to episode 42 of Girl Take the Lead, where each week we explore womanhood and leadership. This week we're tackling another juicy one, receiving feedback and the emotions that can come with the experience. I picked up where we left off in episode 6, which was about ditching performance appraisals, and episode 41 about the imposter syndrome. You may remember from that episode that I was talking about emotions I was experiencing when being reviewed for my position as an adjunct lecturer at San Jose State University. I'm hoping you've all taken a similar journey and can relate to the emotions that might have come up for you. We'll reference the masters, Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart, and what she has to say about anxiety and resentment. Plus, we'll look at curiosity from Corey Mascara's book, Stop Missing Your Life. In case you don't know Corey Mascara, he's a former monk, host of the Practicing Human podcast, in addition to being a best-selling author. I've also included thoughts about being a teacher based on the book, Courage to Teach by Parker Palmer. I also hope you'll see yourself as a teacher in life. You may be a coach, parent, partner, manager, but we're all teachers. Wayne Dyer has a beautiful quote about this. Just as we're all students throughout life, we're all teachers. In fact, we learn best by offering what we desire for ourselves to as many individuals as we can, as frequently as we can. Following this line of thinking, it's imperative that we make deliberate effort to increase our inspirational energy, as this will lead us to being both a spiritual learner and teacher simultaneously. Here's to us all having inspirational energy. Hope you enjoy the listen. Here you go. Welcome to this episode. And I had brought up in our episode 41 about the imposter syndrome that I was in the process of being reviewed for my position at San Jose State University and that the reviewer, the actual professor was in the class at the time. And in episode 41, I talked about some of the emotions that were coming up, things about like vulnerability and uh, fear. And since then, I've had some insights about that, that I wanted to share with you. And to begin, I want to mention a book that was referred to me by one of my coaches. Um, It's called The Courage to Teach, and it's by Parker Palmer. And we did mention it in episode 41. I thought I would give you just a bit more about this book. When I started teaching, I thought, oh, I know how to do this. (laughs) And I, I figured I could do it. So why not try it? And There have been moments after moments where I have really questioned if I knew what I was doing. And this book was recommended to me about, about a month ago. And as I got to the like very first page, the subtitle reads, we teach who we are. And I went, oh, this is interesting. And there's a couple of paragraphs I'd like to share with you. I am a teacher at heart, and there are moments in the classroom when I can hardly hold the joy, when my students and I discover uncharted territory to explore, when the pathway out of the thicket opens up before us, when our experience is illuminated by the lightning life of the mind, then teaching is the finest work I know. But at other moments, the classroom is so lifeless or painful or confused 
and I am so powerless to do anything about it that my claim to be a teacher seems a transparent sham. Then the enemy is everywhere in those students from some alien planet in that subject. I thought I knew and in the personal pathology that keeps me earning my living this way. What a fool I was to imagine that I had mastered this occult art harder to divide than tea leaves and impossible for mortals to do even passively well. And I thought, oh, this is good. This is where I live. Some, some days I am totally in joy, like thinking, oh, we had such a good time and discussed. And I heard from them and they were really alive and providing great points of view. And then other times I just think <laughs> they're staring at me trying to figure out what the heck I'm saying or what I'm trying to teach them about. And this book definitely says, knowing my students and my subject depends heavily on self-knowledge. When I do not know myself, I cannot know who my students are. I will see them through a glass darkly in the shadows of my unexamined life. And then I cannot see them clearly. I cannot teach them well. When I do know myself, I cannot know my subject not at the deepest level of embodied personal meaning. I will know it only abstractly from a distance, a congeries of concepts as far removed from the world as I am from personal truth. He brings up the point in the, that the, the book raises a question about teaching that goes unasked in our national dialogue and often goes unasked even in the places where teachers are educated and employed. But it should be asked wherever good teaching is at stake, for it honors and challenges the teacher's heart, and it invites a deeper inquiry than our traditional questions do, raises a question about teaching that goes unasked in our national dialogue, and often goes unasked even in the places where teachers are educated and employed. But it should be asked wherever good teaching is at stake for it honors and challenges the teacher's heart and it invites a deeper inquiry than our traditional questions do. And the traditional questions are listed as what subjects shall we teach? How, what methods and techniques are required to teach well? Why, for the purposes of what and to what ends do they teach? And then he writes, but seldom if ever do we ask the question, who, who is the self that teaches? How does the quality of my selfhood form or deform the way I relate to my students, my subject, my colleagues, my world? How can educational institutions sustain and deepen the selfhood from which good teaching comes? Whoa, that hit those points really brought home what I had struggled with in my own thinking that I thought technique is what teachers use. And he writes that technique is what teachers use until the real teacher arrives. And that this book is about helping that teacher show up. And I went, 
Okay. We're on a roll here. I am totally getting that. So it adds <clears throat> real reform is so badly needed. And we have restructured education so often without teaching that distant dream. Who is the self that teaches? Is the question at the heart of my own vocation? I believe it is most fundamental question we can ask about teaching and those who teach for the sake of learning and those who learn. Well, I went, yes, okay. That's just the intro. <laughs> In chapter one, oh my gosh, he gets into my soul like so quickly when he talks about different students in each section, because I teach two sections back to back of the same subject. And I loved what he put here. I, I just fell in love with this book right away when it wrote, when he wrote the students in my first section were silent as monks, <laughs> despite my shameless pleading, I could not buy a response from them. And I soon found myself sinking into one of the oldest phobias. I must be very bored. <laughs> boring <laughs> to anesthetize so quickly these young people who only moments earlier had been alive with hallway chatter. Many writes in the second section, they talked, but the talk flared into conflict as one student insisted that the concerns of another student were petty and did not deserve attention. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have such different sections between my two that I have like totally one has so many more introverts, but yet they are so more engaged. And the other one does as more extroverts, but are just harder to get to engage. He, he says that the book builds on a simple premise. Good teaching cannot be reduced te to technique. Good teaching comes from the identity and integrity of the teacher. I thought, okay, this is good. And I could let go of technique more and concentrate on the things that were super important to me, like connecting with the students, like talking with them, um, finding out what they cared about. What did they want to do after graduation? Where did they want to go? Did I know somebody who might be able to help them? So all of that became like something that was my true self about teaching. And as I went into the book more and more, he talks about our identities and how we, how teachers have lost heart um, because it is a daily exercise in vulnerability. No matter how technical my subject may be, the things I teach are things I care about and what I care about helps define my selfhood. So there I am teaching away, <laughs> having a great time, hoping that I'm at all getting through to some of the students. You know, when I had my review, I asked the um, professor who reviewed me if she had read this book and, and she had not. And as you might guess, a lot of my, um, a lot of her comments back to me were about technique <laughs> So I, I really welcomed her comments and could really see how she was trying to help me be a better teacher and present better. And all of that was, was good. And, and 
because I had read this book, I was, I was kind of grounded in, in who I was and felt good about, you know, that I was a good teacher because I possess a capacity for connectedness. That was what I needed for myself to be anchored. I just want to talk to you a little bit about some of the emotions that went up into this, because I think in, it was, so in episode six, we talked about ditching performance evaluations. (laughs) So I revisiting that a bit and being evaluated again on my performance, I, you know, there were some emotions that came right up. I got to tell you, there was anxiety um, leading up to the day of the review I know that was all about fear. Fear. There was arrogance, definitely on my part, thinking that, of course, I knew better than this person who was going to review me. <laughs> there was definitely a little bit of resentment flavored in, you know, in Brene Brown, and we uh, covered this in one of our earlier episodes, the one about envy. She talks that resentment is actually not um, closely aligned to anger. It's closely aligned to envy. (laughs) And you know that envy was a big topic for me. So no surprise that envy came up um, through resentment and, you know, this concern about shame that I should quote, know these things and I should be a, a perfect teacher because I've got perfectionism working there too. So you know, there was just all of these emotions that were happening. And then I had read this, um, Corey Mascara, he, he did, he did a post about if you're given negative feedback, this is something you can say to yourself, Ugh, it hurts to hear this, but I know I can hold the discomfort. I can uncover the lesson. So in what ways can this feedback spark creative inspiration for my next step rather than trigger a spiral of self-doubt? And, you know, he's got a book, Stop Missing Your Life. It's all about how to be deeply present in an unpresent world. And when he talks about just fear, and obviously that was something I was going through, he says that fear is a big reason we miss the fullness of our lives. It holds us back from living more creatively, honestly, and openly. So if fear shuts down to life, what can open us up to all the possibilities life has to offer? Courage, trust, love. These are all important aspects of presence, but I don't think they're the opposite of fear. The opposite of fear is curiosity. Fear is the impulse to run away and curiosity is the impulse to turn toward. Fear is the desire to close down and curiosity is desire to expand and explore. Fear presupposes danger and curiosity presupposes safety. And I thought, okay, let's do the review from a point and a place of curiosity. Like, what would that look like? What questions could I ask? And not from a place of defensiveness, from a point of being curious. And I think I, you know, and I got to practice that um, when I was going through the review and 
you know, I think also too the the reviewer can also be a little bit in fear. <laughs> but um, I found that my mood, I just wanted to keep explaining to her you know, that I was trying to learn and I was trying to improve. So I wanted to make sure I understood what she was saying, not not challenging or questioning. And the neat thing was, was that the review became something of a discussion, which I hadn't, I got to say, I haven't really had authentically before. I, I think in my, my previous roles, I was holding my breath, waiting for the pain to happen or the hurt or the, um, you know, something I was doing wrong and I should be shamed for. I definitely can say in this case, I was more open and definitely open to the learning and open with a different mood, definitely a different mood. I hope you will check out Corey Mascara. You know, he talks about wisdom too, that wisdom is actually the result of experience times curiosity. And it's, it's, it is a big word wisdom that he talks about, and it means different things to different people. And in the context he's using it, he's using it as sort of an understanding. We don't get this wisdom by reading a book or hearing a talk. In the same way we develop invincibility or seeing firsthand that we can be with and get through a difficult experience, we develop wisdom by paying careful attention to our experience until we see firsthand what leads to happiness and suffering. And, you know, I got to tell you, when I finished the review, I felt more confident. I definitely had this emotion of confidence, you know, because the overall review was, was good. And she said that I definitely knew my subject made me just feel like, okay, yeah, this is all right. <laughs> I'm doing okay. And the things I'm doing in class to make it interesting and to connect with the students were definitely things that she saw. I think this would be a good way to end the episode today. I want to share with you a story. It's a short Zen story that Corey Mascara has in his book that talks about allowing day-to-day -day life. And here's the story. There was once an old farmer who used a horse to till his fields. All day long, he relied on this horse for the health of his farm. One day, though, the horse escaped into the hills, nowhere to be found. All the neighbors came by to sympathize with the man over his bad luck, only for him to reply, bad luck, good luck, who knows? A week later, the horse returned from the hills with a herd of horse friends. Farmer now had all his extra help. Of course, the neighbors came by to congratulate the farmer. What great luck you have, they said. Again, his reply, good luck, bad luck, who knows? Soon after, as the farmer's son was attempting to tame one of the wild horses, he fell off its back and broke his leg. Again, the neighbors stopped by. We're so sorry to hear about this bad luck, they said. His reaction, bad luck, good luck, who knows? A month later, the army marched into the village and conscripted every able-bodied youth they could find. When they saw the farmer's son with his broken leg, they let him off. After the army left, the neighbors ran to the farmer. 
wow, what great luck you have. Can you guess the farmer's response? Good luck, bad luck, who knows? One of the points made in this, after this story, this Zen story was one of the reasons we resist certain experiences is because we don't know where they will lead. Perhaps we can take the perspective of the farmer, trusting that things may be happening for reasons we can't yet understand. So I think that's a great way and a good place to end because I have no idea where this review will take me and if I'll be teaching in the spring or the fall again. It was just an experience. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening today. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a comment. It helps us reach other listeners. Also, you can join us on our group Facebook page, Girl Take the Lead, and visit our new website, girltaketheleadpod.com. Com. Next week, you're in for a real treat, you guys. Kiki is back and joins me with her BFF, Katie Wilcox, to talk about sports and leadership. In the last few episodes, we've been talking about teaching. And in the next, Katie talks about coaching high school girls in volleyball. There were a couple of times I got to tell you in the episode, I was filled with such admiration and inspiration listening to these Gen Zers lead the way for us. I hope you'll join us for that episode. And after taking on some heavy leadership topics recently, like burnout, poster syndrome, I thought we could use something a little different. So for Thanksgiving, Rebecca Cohn will be back to talk about making a Thanksgiving pie. That's right, Thanksgiving pie. You may remember Rebecca from episodes 23 and 24, where we talked about the book, bittersweet. It turns out Rebecca is also a master pie maker, and she can lead us in tackling how to make a homemade pie successfully. I don't know about you, but making a pie is an area where I have had repeated failure, and it is truly a humbling experience for me. Rebecca promises that everyone can make a pie. You just need to know the key distinctions. Join us for literally some juicy tips in time for the holidays. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.